Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory, where we tackle important questions about journalism ethics and give you a behind the scenes look at our industry and our newsroom. I'm Luis Cruz. The San Diego Union Tribune recently published a multimedia series examining the rise and fall of San Diego's largest Ponzi schemer, Gina Champion Kane. Champion Kane swindled close to $400 million from hundreds of people, including close, longtime friends and major financial institutions. Joining us today to talk about the scam and the mastermind behind it all, our Union Tribune tourism and hospitality industry reporter, Lori Weisberg, criminal justice and legal affairs reporter, Greg Moran, managing editor, Laura Sacalo, and we begin with editor and publisher, Jeff Light. Jeff? Yeah, thank you, Luis, and uh, congratulations to uh, to Lori and Greg both on the excellent reporting of this story. So. Uh, uh, a lot has been uh, been written about uh, Gina Champion Kane over the years, and uh, and quite recently, uh, your piece and several other big uh, big treatments have come out. And in looking at all of that, one of the things that struck me was uh, the extent to which the nature of publicity of PR, uh, uh, how important a role that played in establishing. Champion Kane's reputation and her credibility, which of course enabled her uh, her uh, her, crim- her criminal enterprise, uh, and as uh, you know, a part of the local ecosystem of publicity and and uh, and uh, prominence of local people, I thought uh, I thought maybe it held some lessons for for us. But let's start with um, some details from. From her journey, Lori, you reported how Champion Kane very purposefully engineered her reputation. She hired a a PR professional to help get her story uh, promoted in the local press. Tell us a little bit about that and how that worked. Right, she she did indeed hire a local PR person who himself had been um, a little involved with downtown redevelopment, having opened been a partner in a restaurant that opened early in the, in the gas lamp years before it really had gentrified. And he, he did, he, that was his job to raise her profile. She asked him, that's specifically what she asked him to do. And even though we know now that Gina Champion Kane had very little to do with some of the big developments um, downtown during the nineties, two thousands that she claimed to have participated in, uh, you would not have known that had you seen some of the, the cover stories, the San Diego Magazine, San Diego Metro, San Diego Woman, they, with all big splashy headlines. Uh, in, in one publication, there was a photo illustration that, w- that we actually used in, um, for our series, um, showing her towering over the downtown skyline. So it was a very effective PR campaign. Um, ultimately, the city of San Diego named a day after her. She was on the boards of many um, powerful or well-recognized organizations like the now defunct Center City Development Corporation, the San Diego Downtown Partnership. Um, She was seen as a real player. But again, what we know now from settled lawsuits and interviews was that she did not have that outsized role in downtown redevelopment that she claimed to, but her PR campaign was quite successful. Right. So how does that work? Tell me a little bit like now you cover uh, a, a downtown development as part of your beat. How does a PR person uh, 
uh, end up getting stories placed or selling reporters on uh, stories. Like you, in, in, in your series, you quoted the, the PR professional um, about this campaign. What, what, how does, for, for there, our listeners, how does all that work? How does a, a story end up in the UT, for instance? Uh, well, PR people, and, and still do, like like this PR person did, will call you and pitch you and give you, I mean, I don't know how he did his pitch because I wasn't um, um, a recipient of the pitches back then, but we'll give you details about a person, what they're doing, what they've done that says deserving of a story. And here she was a woman in a male-dominated world of redevelopment at that time. And um, the pitch was, look, she's she's buying a property. She's doing development. Um, you know, obviously, you have to do your due diligence and see if she really was. Um, one of her biggest projects she takes credit for is the House of Blues. And there was a period of time when she had a project moving through the Downtown Redevelopment Agency. It never came to fruition. She also, in one of these cover stories, claimed she owned a very high-profile building. Well, if anybody had checked, it turned out, no, she didn't own the building. She claimed she did. It was, it was, it was not, it was, it was a lie basically. So, but obviously as a reporter, it's up to you to, to judge the pitch and then do a little research of your own to decide if that pitch is warranted by pursuing it further. I should add that, you know, once she pivoted later to the restaurant world and was opening one restaurant after another, she started getting into short-term rentals. She was doing a lot of other, she was doing retail. Um, I did, I remember doing a big Q&A with her. Um, and it was actually during the Ponzi scheme, which of course I didn't know anything about. And it, I mean, it was talking about, wow, how is she doing it all? How is, How does she even have time to sleep? Because she's delving into all these, these projects. So, I mean, they were real projects at the time, but even I, I feel maybe a little chagrined now knowing, wow, I didn't know though that all these projects were eventually underwater. So, um, but ultimately, yes, as a reporter, you have to do the due diligence before you accept a pitch as, as, as the truth. Right. So like the, the, a skillful PR person uh, will probably trade a little bit on their access and credibility. Hey, reporter, you know me. We've uh, 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 worked together before on stories that didn't go wrong on you. Uh, I've got credibility because I myself have been involved in downtown development. And let me uh, frame this story about Gina Champion Kane in a particular way and then connect you to friendly people who will be glad to talk to you uh, uh, um, sort of steering you away from asking hard questions. And it really looks like th that's what happened here. Greg uh, Moran, you, uh, you uh, are an experienced reporter and have dealt with many, uh, many difficult stories as well as many PR people. And I just, we were talking a little bit before we got on the air and um, I, I, I thought an insightful way of talking about the role of publicity in this whole scam. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, um, the the kind of contemporary publicity that she that she got, not sort of the old fashioned PR, but this this kind of new genus of it was really central, I think, to the fraud. You know, we talked to a lot of people uh, who said that they gave her money, uh, you know, clearly believing that it was legitimate uh, 
business proposition, but largely doing so based on her reputation. So uh, now you can always fault people, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You should always check under the hood. But at some point, the, 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 the power of the publicity that, and particularly in this case, it kind of creates its own sort of weather system and people just kind of assume that it's correct. I remember we talked to one guy, um, it wasn't included in the story, but he had, uh, she had come to him. He, he kind of ran a, a hard, a hard money, uh, lending business, you know, where she needed a short-term loan, uh, to, I think it was for one of her restaurant things. And she came to him and they arranged it. She backed out at the last minute, which was a pattern in a lot of her business dealings. He ended up suing her, but I, I was interviewing him and I said, well, you know, did you, did you do any research on her? He said, oh yeah, we Googled her. She had all these, all these uh, articles and all of these, uh, things on there that seemed to, she seemed to be very legitimate. We didn't do a deep background on her, but we, you know, everybody was saying she was legitimate. And I think that kind of confluence of her promotional image, uh, you know, which really began before the fraud began, right? The fraud begins about 2011. She was building herself up through Berkman and the, the PR guy and other people through the 2000s. But I think it was a real critical component to how she was able to separate people from her money is that at some point, you know, people believed this mm -hmm. artifice that had been constructed. And, and I also don't think it's just kind of a side angle. There's no accident this kind of happened at the period where we had this big shift in the media landscape, right? Where you didn't have three TV stations and one newspaper, but you had uh, these this enormous number of different outlets that PR people can go to, which you know, just have this, there's this demand for this heaving maw of content that now is the media landscape. People need something to put on their website to, to, to fill the, the publication or whatever. And, you know, I mean, different publications have different standards. And so they, you know, it's kind of easier to sort of get a nice piece out there and you know once it's on the internet it's available to everybody uh rather than having to try to work through the one or, or two or three kind of gatekeeper reporters that that was the situation you know many years ago now i'm not saying that pr people didn't get a lot of bunk through the the you know the old-fashioned thing but it's somewhat easier now um to do it and i think that was unintentionally a way that that she was able to exploit that um, yeah. and and attract people to her scheme. Yeah, an incredible uh, cautionary tale, I think, for all of us. And and by full disclosure, we uh, had Gina Champion Kane as one of our Econometer panelists, uh, sort of late in her career, uh, where um, you know we looked for uh, academics and business leaders to talk about economic trends. Uh, and, uh, you know, Gina Champion came was one of those people we selected, I think, so based on reputation. Right. So uh, very much. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was something that came up with several people we talked to. They said, well, she was in the Union Tribune every Sunday. You know, I mean, it's like not not great. But. Yeah. Yeah. So now let's talk about uh, uh, publicity in the aftermath to have told a very powerful story. Uh, this fall. Of that enabled this uh, this large crime, um, uh, and and now that uh, she has been uh, uh, convicted and jailed, the um, 
the, the, the publicity has sort of taken a new turn. So, so I guess we, we, a question would be uh, for Lori, I guess, what, what, you know, what is, what were we trying to accomplish in writing this story? And uh, then we can talk a little bit about some of the national media that's out there and other efforts uh, that uh, attempt to really commercialize this story. Um, well, well, I think as a media organization that, you know, that covers the San Diego metropolitan area, the, all of the county, um, we wanted to explain to our readers how this colossal fraud could have happened. Um, and but, but what Greg and I were also interested in, though, is, wow, was she, you know, was she always like this? Or, I mean, because she seemed like this, you know, pretty important person. And so it would, that was our, you know, that was our goal, the rise obviously, and then the fall of Gina Champion Kane. Um, but again, as we've talked about, when we looked back, we we discovered it wasn't really a rise at all. It was, it was she was kind of on the sidelines of things happening. She wasn't the main mover and shaker like many of the people that helped shape our downtown core today. So um, I, I really wanted to explain, as did Greg, how this could have happened. She was this supposedly very respected businesswoman um, and and helped shape some of the decisions that happened. How could she have, you know, how could she have turned so badly and fallen so far? And I think one of the things we learned that in going back and looking at her career is how much she wanted to be the center of attention, how much she wanted to be known as a player in a, in a male dominated world of business and development. Um, mm -hmm. And then it kept driving it. Even when she saw that the, as the Ponzi scheme grew larger and larger, it was mostly to fuel um, and to finance her businesses that were doing so well. This idea that, Oh my God, if I just get a little more money from these these investors, I can pay everything back and I can make everything good enough. So I think it was important to, to tell the, our readership and the community what fueled the Ponzi scheme of this of this enormity. And, and as you pointed out, Jeff, now that's being taken on by national media and they're, they're, they have a different kind of angle in mind. Yeah. So like, uh, I think locally, a cautionary tale with real people and real events that we can look back on and say, if we collectively as journalists had asked harder questions, the outcome could have been different. Certainly if investors and business partners had asked harder questions, the, uh, the outcome would have been, uh, would have been different. Like, are there any uh, liquor license loans? Is this list of, uh, of uh, applicants really uh, a customer list? Is any of this true? Well, it turned out none of that was true. So that's, it's important, I think, to be able to see how easily we all can be taken in. Now, uh, as you mentioned, there's there's other journalistic work, or maybe it's entertainment work, around this story. And you mentioned to me, Lori, that there's like a TV show uh, in the offing. And also, uh, you reported that Gina Champion Kane herself is interested in somehow telling her story uh, through uh, some sort of dramatization? What, what's all that about? Uh, right. And we only learned that, well, I mean, we heard it from others, second, second hand, but um, one of her friends um, who became friends with her actually more um, during and after the Ponzi scheme shared with us uh, letters of uh, correspondence she had gotten from Gina. 
And in those letters, Gina makes very clear her excitement about the prospect for possibly a streaming series on, on Netflix. Um, we, we've seen recently, you know, other female fraudsters on, on Netflix and Hulu being profiled. And I think she she has the same idea that maybe her story is, is worth um, a dramatization of that. So, so we know that. And then, the, uh, yes, there's a series, um, a national series that looks at fraudsters in general. And they've been on the air for a lot, many years and they, they're planning um, a profile or a look at this scheme in the fall that's going to air um, nationally. So, and but she, that it's a curiosity to them. Well, and she also has an "As Told To" uh, book oh, out, yes. right? Where uh, the, the yes. story, according to her, uh, very interesting. So, um, uh, I guess let's close with a question for Laura Sakalo, as the managing editor. As you look at all of this, I can imagine the kind of thoughts that go through your mind about the perils of what we do and who we uh, center, and and the kind of implicit endorsement that's involved in writing about somebody at all. Um, um, how, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we handle that responsibly? What is, uh, what is the lesson for, I guess, us as, as gatekeepers, as Greg called us? I think there are a lot of lessons for us. And as all of you have, have said, it is a cautionary tale, not only for our community, but for our organization and, and for journalists. And I think the issue of kind of the, the way that the reputation builds on itself, Greg's point of potential investors who ended up being victims Googling her to see, okay, what what is out there ab about her? And in a lot of cases, I think San Diegans would look and see, oh, she is in the Union Tribune. She does have this stature that we have granted her by quoting her in stories as a, a business leader or an authority on certain aspects. And as mentioned, including her in our Econometer panel. That lends legitimacy to, to her in the eyes of the public. And I think in many ways, it speaks to the importance of us, you know, being skeptical, making sure that we are doing our due diligence, even with people who seem as though they're known quantities. You know, I think she in many ways joins the the pantheon of you know people at the center of of fraud schemes in San Diego who were perceived as business leaders C Arnold Smith J David Dominelli you know the, there is a long list and these are people that I think within the community at one time were viewed as uh, leaders and important parts of the business community and when you looked behind the curtain, it was very different. Our job is to look behind the curtain and uh, to make sure that people um, are aware. And sometimes we come to that a little bit late and maybe haven't been as skeptical or dug as deeply as we should have uh, along the way. Yeah, fascinating story. Again, congratulations both to Lori and Greg. Uh, uh... Uh, really terrific reporting. And with that, I will send it, send it back to you, Luis. 
Thank you very much, Jeff. You can read Lori and Greg's series of reports on Gina Champion Kane. Watch a video that explains the Ponzi scheme and hear more about Lori and Greg's reporting on this story on our website, SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. Don't forget to listen to San Diego News Fix with Christy Totten for an in-depth look at local stories making headlines throughout the week. You can find San Diego News Fix wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism. Have a great day, everybody.